Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. All right, welcome everybody. Today we have Dorothy Andreas. Welcome, Dorothy. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And Dorothy has an interesting story. So she's had nine successful businesses. Um, and I don't know, Dorothy, are you officially retired? No, I'm not. I, I sold my primary company last year, and uh, but I have another consulting business um, where I help young entrepreneurs scale their company to the million dollar mark. So oh I still gosh. do that. Um, I keynote speak and then I run an online time management course. You are but, far from retired. <laughs> no, but you know, <laughs> the beauty of life today is I can do this at my own convenience and the comfort of my home. I don't have to actually go to a physical place to work every day. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And Dorothy's in Georgia, but I know that's not where you're originally from. So we can get to that. Um, Dorothy left college at 19 to start the first of her nine successful businesses. And then she's written two best-selling books. And I think that's where we sort of started talking, Dorothy. You were telling me that um, you wrote a book and you weren't really expecting it to be a bestseller. And then it was. And all of a sudden you were getting all these requests to do speaking and consulting. And one thing just led to another. And all of a sudden you've got this new career. And then you wrote another book that was a bestseller. Yes, that's, you know, I, I wrote the book just, I had been keynote speaking for a long time, but I really wanted to, I knew I was going to be selling my company and I wanted to be able to spend, you know, the next chapter of my life uh, having a bigger impact on, on an audience. And somebody said to me, well, you have to write a book to do that. Mm -hmm. So I put myself in a mentoring program a few years ago and, uh, left that program and started writing the book on the airplane. And wow. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. I, I was fortunate to work with good people and um, it, the book launched four and a half months later and I was stunned. You know, the guy that was helping me do it said, just keep, keep looking at Amazon every hour. And when I started seeing wow. like number one, I was that taking screenshots. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was, uh, over the moon with joy. And then the second book that came out, I think, you know, timing is everything. The second book, the first book is called Streamlined Success. The second book, Conflict Revelation, I started writing after I was asked to come run a workshop on conflict resolution mm -hmm. for a chain of um, a fast, uh, well, fast casual dining chain mm -hmm. for their management team. And at the end, the CEO said to me, if you have a book on this, I'd like to buy it for every manager in our system. Ah. And I said, oh, well, I'll write one. 
Yes. And I went home and started writing a book, got an editor, you know, found somebody to help me publish it. And uh, it launched in May at the height of conflict in our country. That's true. And it really, um, the book is very, very different. Everybody that's mm -hmm. read it that, you know, reaches out to me talks about how it is unlike any book on conflict they've ever read. So I, I love it that it's sort of an innovative concept about how to manage conflict, not only in the workplace, but in life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I cannot wait to hear all about this. So your businesses started out in the beauty industry, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Tell me about that first, like when you were, all your friends were thinking about going off to college and you were like, I think I'll buy a business or start a business. Well, I actually was putting myself through college. I was working okay. three part-time jobs oh um, and it was hard. You know, it was hard. I didn't really have family uh, financial or emotional support. And one day I heard about, I, I had gone to a Votech school during high school. Mm -hmm. So I had a cosmetology teaching license by the time I was 18 years old. Wow. And, um, and I loved doing hair, but I really was more interested in teaching. Mm -hmm. And so here I was, you know, it, grinding it out and it was, it was difficult, you know? Yes. So I heard about this small hair salon that went up for sale, uh, not far from where I lived. And I, I went and met with the woman mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I was 19 years old. I didn't even know that I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> you didn't know what you didn't know. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. And, um, I signed a contract that I would buy her business oh and I gosh. would have to give her the money in seven days. Now, the only thing in the world I had, I had a car, <laughs> you know, I mean, I had my car because I, I always had a job and I, you know, bought a car. And um, so I went home that day and I said to my dad, you know, dad, I really, I need you to help me sell my car because I have to come up with this money in seven uh -huh. days. And, um, and I was so, you know, I hope I was so proud of myself. I, mm -hmm. I thought, I thought my dad would just be thrilled and, <laughs> you know, he put his hands in his pockets and, um, I'll just remember this for the rest of my life. He was like jingling change in his pocket uh -huh. and he sort of took like a half a step back and he looked at me and he said, Oh honey, you're not smart enough to know how to run a business. Oh, Dorothy. Oh, you know, and hope in that moment, my life changed. Yeah. I, I said some silent um, swear words in my mm -hmm. head yeah. to my dad. And I thought, I will just show you, I'll prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, I really didn't know what I was doing. So anyhow, you know, he, he did help me sell the car. And then I had to walk to work because I didn't have a car. So oh for, gosh. you know, six weeks, I mean, it wasn't that far. It was maybe less than a mile. Yeah. I would walk to and from work until I could scrape together enough money to buy another car. But I remember that very first day in the business, I didn't know what I was doing. And the first client went to check out and I didn't have change in the change drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, she could see I was welling up with tears, you know? And, yeah. She's like, and, keep the change. <laughs> and she really looked at me and she said, oh, you know, sweetheart, it's okay. I'll see you next week to get my hair done. I'll get the change then. And I quickly called my mom and I said, mom, could you go to the bank and get yeah. $20 worth of change? You know, this was in 1980. So $20 was right. enough change. And, um, and I remember like I had to go back and there was an ex client sitting in my chair uh -huh. and I, I just stood there and I was like, oh dear God, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, You know, 
I, and, and I just remember having this, these words in my head, I'm not going to sink. I'm going to swim. Yes. And, and, you know, at that time in 1980, there were no books for young women in business. There right. were no support groups or anything like that. Uh -huh. So the only asset that I had, because I was flat broke, yeah. you know, I, all of my money was going to like pay the rent and buy supplies uh -huh. and improve things in this little hair salon. The only asset that I had were the clients that sat in my chair every day. Okay. And, and so I started asking them questions like, mm -hmm. how do you interview people? How do yeah. you hire people? How do, how do I, you know, I've, one of my clients was, was an accountant and she said to me, I, if you come to my house every Tuesday night in exchange, I'll come sit in your chair every Friday morning and we will barter services and yes. I will teach you how to manage, you know, the administrative part of a business. That's so smart. Oh my gosh. So every Tuesday night I went and sat in her kitchen and she drank this like black coffee and smoked Terryton cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> wow. She showed me what a dome weekly record keeping book was and how to keep inventory and all of that. And, you know, it, I just, I look back at it right now. I mean, if I had stayed in college, I probably would have learned the same things, but without Mm -hmm. the personal touch that everybody who, I mean, I was never ashamed to ask for help. And I think when, when we are, you know, okay about asking people mm -hmm. for help and asking them, how did you do it? That it worked. Could you show me people are yes. really very, very willing. And then they want to see you succeed because they have like a personal investment that they've right. shared some time with you. So I, I look back and I think it happened exactly the way it was intended yeah. to happen. These people are placed in your path for a reason. And so often we're just walking around in sleepwalking mode and not, not actually seeing the people around us. And I think you took advantage of that um, in a good way. And, you know, I really hope I, I think, you know, the word opportunist Mm -hmm. um, is can conceived negatively, I think is, is, uh, received negatively, mm -hmm. I believe, but I don't think so. I mean, I think it's desperation that forces opportunity to present itself and innovation. Yes, I it's, agree. It's, you know, really when there's not too many other options is when we, we figure it out, we figure mm -hmm. out how we're going to get to the other side of the problem and I think that's really where the rich ground of growth grows, lives mm -hmm. for everybody. And your dad's doubt in you served as ammunition or, mm -hmm. you know, fire underneath you. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the, the downside to that was for the next many, many years, every time that something didn't go right, that little voice would pop up in my head and I would, you know, our negative self-talk that we all mm -hmm. have. Oh my God, I'm not really smart enough. Ugh, I'm, I'm not good enough. Oh my mm -hmm. God, what if somebody sees how terrified I am? What if they think I know what they think I know what I'm doing? I don't really know what I'm doing, you know? Yes. And all of that self-doubt would come up. And then it took years of understanding my personal self and mm -hmm. human development to really sort of start to see that that was really a story that I gave meaning to. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I gave me, I made a decision to give my dad's words meaning. And I let that drive a negative part of, of my, my life for a lot mm -hmm. of years. And I think so many of us do that. 
You we know? do. Words have so much power. And, you know, my kids will sing that little sticks and stones can break my bones. And I say, no, that's not true. Words have so much power and you have to, you have to put up a shield against it and mm-hmm. really be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had this business and then you, did you have kids while you were still trying to run this business? Um, well, it, a few years into that business, um, there was a very tragic fire in the building where I was. Oh. And uh, and I, I lost everything. Oh, um, no. It, in, including a friend who lived in, oh. in the building. And it was very, it, it was devastating, you know. And I learned that at that point that the insurance policy that I had, I learned about insurance, you know. I yes. learned about insurance. And um, so I... Fortunately, this was back in the day when we had something called call forwarding. And every night when I left my business, I forwarded the calls. At this point, my, my dad died when I was 21. So mm-hmm. you know, he got to see a little bit of success yeah. with me in the business. But um, I was living at home with my mom and uh, I had my appointment book with me fortuitously. Mm-hmm. So I was able, you know, this, the fire was all over the news and everybody knew that it was, it was very, very, very mm-hmm. tragic. And um, so I started calling people from the appointment book and saying, if you're okay, getting your haircut on a bar stool in my mom's garage, no, oh. you know, I'll do it. So I went and bought a little pop-up hairdryer because women still, you know, some women came every week and got yeah. a shampoo and set. And um, <laughs> my grandma did that. <laughs> right. And, you know, back in those days, we were still doing that. So my mom would serve coffee and tea while I was like cutting hair on a bar stool in the garage and um resilience a a few (laughs) months later uh, one of my clients managed an apartment building and she called me and said hey there used to be a hair salon here we're using it as storage space all the water hookups and everything is here um if you want this space we will give it to you for the same price rent you were paying before you know we see what happened to you and look it was a it was a PR move for them Yes, because this story was sort of circulating in the local little community newspapers uh-huh. about what had happened. So, um, and then, you know, so I opened that, I, I took the bulk of the insurance money and bought a tanning bed because that's where all, those, <laughs> all the money was happening in those days. That's true. You would go visit a salon just to get in the tanning bed. I got in the tanning bed. Can't believe I work in dermatology now, but I know that's why I see you probably because you know, but but we didn't know then. We did not remember. So then, you know, I I I met my first husband, the father of my children. Uh-huh. And, you know, we after my first child was born, I felt like I I wanted more for him, yeah. more for myself. I wanted just not just a hair salon and a tanning salon. So I opened something called a day spa when uh-huh. my youngest son was six months old. And this was a very new concept there was nothing like it in, in the tri-state region where I lived. That's what I was thinking. That was totally unheard of back then. There were beauty shops, beauty salons, but mm -hmm. I don't think there were. No, there wasn't. I had read a story. um, You know, we talk about where does inspiration come from? I had read a story in a, um, in a beauty publication in a magazine about a woman who brought this concept from Europe up Mm -hmm. to, I think she was in Connecticut. Her name was Noelle DiCaprio, and it was called Noelle the Day Spa. Hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, Pittsburgh could use something like that. And when I hung the sign, you know, a few days before we opened, um, we would just, I would, you know, I was at the business doing a lot of work and we would see people standing on the sidewalk and then they would walk in and say, what's a day spay? 
<laughs> That's hilarious. You know, people did not know what a day spa was. So, um, <laughs> you know, it was really interesting, but it was, it was fun. And I realized I had to create a market, you know, so I started really learning about marketing Yeah. because I didn't want, you know, Pittsburgh is a very practical town where, where I grew up. And I didn't want people thinking this was only for the rich and famous. Mm -hmm. So what I, you know, through reading, I put, well, let me just go back and say when I left business, when I left college, I realized that one thing that would be missing would be my vocabulary growth. Mm. And uh, so I decided to put myself on a program to read a book a week. Mm -hmm. So I would take a book out of the library or my clients would bring me books. So I would start on Sunday night and I would finish it before Saturday at oh, midnight the, the next seven days. I mean, hardcore, it, it could be a Leon Yoris novel. It could be a business book, it, you know, Think and Grow Rich, whatever it was. Yeah. I did not get out in seven days. And so I learned a lot about mostly what I was interested in was the business growth and human development. Cause uh -huh. by this time I had employees and had to learn what their behavior meant and how I could be a better mm. leader. And, and, um, Anyhow, I, I just sort of lost my, my train of thought there for a second, but I, um, so I, I had my children, I opened this, this day spa and, um, I, oh, I wanted to market. That was it. I yeah. wanted, I wanted to learn how to market better. So I started talking to really good marketers mm -hmm. and realized that what people were, people would stay away from a business if they couldn't pronounce the name of it or they didn't know what the business did because they didn't want to look uneducated. Yes. So through my marketing, I had to describe what was a facial, what mm -hmm. was the massage, what was a body wrap. So the marketing was all designed as pure information so that when people would read the copy in the mm -hmm. newspapers and the magazines back in the day when that was really what we had, they would feel somehow educated about mm -hmm. what a day spa was. And in my mind, that would be a subliminal connection and a link to me because I would have provided value That's through educating fascinating them. That you just, you kind of knew that. And I've read that you should make your copy on about the fifth grade level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very, it was very basic, you know, but it was very informative. And, um, and then I started thinking, well, our clients are women, but men never know what to get women. What if we started really promoting gift cards? So I started marketing to men mm -hmm. who yeah, would buy gift cards and then absolutely exploded the idea of the gift card business around. Now, at the, by this point, you know, it's um, several years into it. I had opened another much bigger company mm -hmm. and um, had multiple locations. And, you know, I'm jumping ahead up to up to the late 90s at this point you know i've had two sons i'm a single mother through most of this time mm -hmm. my sons were um four and eight when their dad and i made a decision that we didn't have a successful marriage but we wanted to have a super successful divorce yeah and we would very lovingly co-parent our children yeah. and we stayed very close to each other's families we did holidays together that's great we we made an agreement to never speak a negative word about each other in front of our children. Yeah. 
And we sort of, we actually, I wrote an agreement and I showed it to my <laughs> lawyer at the time. And she said, this is brilliant. I want to use this. And we had, we signed it and we had my mother and his parents sign this agreement that above all, we would uphold the respect for our children by never speaking negatively about the other parent. Yeah. I love and that. Uh, yeah, it was really, it was a nice way to do it. And, you know, we just got back from a week uh, at a beautiful island uh, with my adult children and their loves. And we talked about how, mm -hmm. you know, how much they appreciate that their dad and I really kept it cool through their whole life. They never yeah. were really exposed to conflict or drama between parents. And that that benefited them. Yeah. I'm thinking mm -hmm. that needs to be a book too, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. there is, so, there is an easier way. So yes. <laughs> and then I was also, I heard that you were pretty genius when it came to the gift cards, because it was your idea to find a way to put it on the website and that didn't exist. You know, I'd really like to speak to this. It's putting yourself in an environment where you're going to grow hope mm -hmm. because I think so many, especially um, women in business, um, it's just like grind it out. You know, you're so busy working in the business. Usually you start the business because you love to do something, mm -hmm. but it's then it's just really a job yes. and, and you sign the paychecks. But when you're growing a company that you're going to be an employee of, you have to step out of that in the business and start to work on the business. So I found this program based in Toronto called the Strategic Coach, where it was really a brilliant, brilliant program. And, and I really credit putting myself in that program mm -hmm. and the outline and structure of that program for how it happened. So I'm in a workshop. We met four times a week. And Wait, I'm in a that's a lot. Four I, times a week? I'm sorry. We met four times a year. Okay. <laughs> once a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Thinking ahead here. We met once a quarter and... Um, and there were 17 of us in my group and I, I'm pretty sure I was the only female in the group and mm -hmm. it was, you know, I'm in there with like people who had insurance companies and financial planning companies. And here I am this lady from Pittsburgh with a spa. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And so our, our workshop that day was on where are the bottlenecks in your business? Now I had been heavily promoting gift card purchases. So what would happen on the 15th of December, you know, we, we really promoted gift time, gift cards four times a year, uh -huh. Christmas, Valentine's day, mother's day. And then my mom had a stroke shortly after I opened the business and I needed to quickly raise some capital to be able to cover mm -hmm. getting her into a privately funded personal care home. When I learned she didn't have any money left in the bank. Uh, so I started an annual summer sale and that ah. fueled it. So anyhow, I had these four times a year, but Christmas was really the biggest uh, mm -hmm. gift card promotion. So on the 15th of December, we would have to close the actual spa down for services mm -hmm. because we would have so many men coming in to buy gift cards. So all of my spa yeah. technicians became gift card processors. Now there mm -hmm. were, you know, this is before we had plastic gift cards. So everything was a piece of paper. Okay. It was mailed. It was addressed. It was stamped. I mean, we, we had a system down, you know, people answering the phone, taking orders, it was really quite a production line. So I'm, I'm in this workshop and I'm thinking, man, the bottleneck is really the gift card mm -hmm. business. But I had sort of figured out that, you know, 75% of my income was now coming from gift cards. Yeah. That then people would 
redeem mm -hmm. and then they come into the spa and that add more services and it was really working out beautifully so i started thinking what if people could hit a button on my website and print out a gift card mm -hmm. and so i'm in this group and you know we're all talking about what our ideas are and what we're going to work on in the next 90 days and these guys are like oh my god that's brilliant if i could do that for my wife like at the last minute because i always forget to buy her stuff yeah. you know um we would love that so i sort of had immediate feedback overwhelming mm -hmm. this idea of being able to print a gift card online was great so I come back to Pittsburgh and I start looking for code writers and I start interviewing people. And every one of them was kind of laughing at me, Hope. They were like, oh, great idea, but that technology doesn't exist. Oh Maybe in 10 or 15 years, people will be able to print a gift card off the internet. I'm like, no, there has to be a way that we could print something out that's barcoded yeah. with a number on it so we could keep a sequence to it. Mm -hmm. Did not exist. I got introduced to the guy who had built Dell computers websites. Yeah. He was based out of Pittsburgh. And so he, he met with me and listened to what I really wanted. And he said, you know, we could build you a website that I can't guarantee it's going to do what you want, but it's going to cost at least a hundred thousand dollars oh, of a retainer. And I'm gosh. like, Oh my God. I mean, you know, we had a big reputation, but I'm still a small business right. and I'm a single mother and I'm supporting my mother in a nursing home. Yeah. I, I, I can't stroke you a check for a hundred thousand uh -huh. dollars. And, and he's like, I, you know, I'm sorry. I, it's, it's going to be a lot of work because this doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine said, Hey, you know, I know a couple young guys from Carnegie Mellon university who are really sharp. So I met with these guys and I said, here's, I, I have a $20,000 budget for you to rebuild my website and make the make this happen. And they're like, well, it doesn't exist, but can you give us six months? You know, we're gonna take yeah. this back and we're gonna create it as a project. Oh, at cool. you know, Carnegie Mellon yeah. is like where all good tech things come from. Yeah. So six months later, we went live right before Christmas. Uh -huh. So leading up to that point, I took our phone number off of all advertising, billboards, radio, TV, and all print. All phone numbers were gone. And I drove everybody to the website and all of our ads had this big burst, purchase and print your gift card instantly. Wow. And, you know, my, my commercials that I recorded would say, you know, last minute gift, lasting impression. Mm -hmm. You can purchase and print a gift card right now from the convenience of your own computer. That's, it sounds so <laughs> risky too, though. Like what if the website crashed? They had tested it heavily. Okay. They had tested it heavily. Believe me, I bought a lot of test gift cards in that <laughs> couple of weeks running up to it. And, uh, and these guys were, it was Christmas Eve, but they were all on board. Like, okay. trust me, hardly any of us slept that night. Yeah. It goes live on Christmas Eve. I close my spas down at 6 p.m. And I, I'm like, I'm not even looking until tomorrow morning. Six o'clock the next morning, I wake up, I go, you know, our computers were big boxes at yeah. this time. I sit down, I turn the computer on and I'm watching the gift card sales come in live. Oh, wow. I hope they were coming in every two minutes like a contraction. Wow. <laughs> you know? Like a name popping up and how much it was. We had done $21,000 in gift card oh my sales. Gosh, what a, a great risk to take. I was like, oh my gosh. So, um, you know, we started really fine tuning the program and, and um, we put press releases out to national and international magazines. And I started getting calls from around the country that people wanted this. 
So I started another company called Spa Edge Inc. Yeah. Thinking, giving spas the edge. And um, where if you were the spa owner, I would, you know, and I, I was in your neighborhood, I would click on this purchase a gift card now, and it would seamlessly take you over to my site mm. that looked, was designed the same color, same everything like your site, but now you were buying a gift card in my site. And I would get 5% of every sale that you made. So that was really cool. And then a really uh, big magazine in the beauty industry did a story on it. And, you know, I got so caught up in the interview that, you know, the interview lasted like maybe 90 minutes, two hours. And the woman Mm -hmm. was asking me very detailed questions. And I was just so excited that somebody was interviewing me from this particular magazine. I was like spilling the beans about how it worked. Sure enough, a year, uh, and it, it, the way that it was, I did not protect it properly, the intellectual mm-hmm. property. It was not properly protected, but it was difficult to do because I was, the guys had pieced together mm-hmm. a lot of pre-existing technology. Okay. But what we didn't do was I didn't, I didn't see myself as a technology company yeah. owner. So I didn't realize all the stuff that I needed to do pr- to protect it. And about a year after that article came out, I started having competitors doing exactly what I was doing. And it was, um, you know, I mean, it was okay. It was, it, it transformed the beauty industry and I'm very proud about that. And, uh, it kind of revolutionized things. And, you know, I think probably within a year or two, somebody else would have thought about it, but, I feel like if there's a claim to fame that will be on my tombstone, that might be it. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And and who would have thought when you were, you know, going to the beauty school that you would one day have this tech accomplishment? <laughs> you know, I think where that comes from, and this is really what I think we need to pay attention to, when there is a problem, mm-hmm. you know, in the strategic coach program, they called it a bottleneck, you know, for any, when there is a problem, creating an innovative solution mm-hmm. is really, it's really where the money is, yes. first of all. And it's, it's really where I think our growth as humankind comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at how, how much, how much the medical field excels during wartime. That's true. Because they have to. And you know, even the beauty industry, barbers, mm-hmm. barbers didn't exist until ether was invented. Oh, you know, yeah. doctors are the ones who used to cut hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. The doctors were the original, <laughs> surgeons were the original people that cut hair. Yeah. And when ether was invented, it separated. <clears throat> and then you had to be, you were a barber. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I was thinking with even um, with our family, like, where's the bottleneck? Is it in the morning when I'm trying to get the kids out the door? Is it the babysitter situation? And I know you have two boys and mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about parenting. So did you place, did you use that in your house to try to figure out the bottlenecks? Yes. There's a very specific moment when this happened, Hope, and, and we haven't even talked about this. So um In 1994, I had just been elected as the international president of a beauty organization. Mm. And I'm from Pittsburgh, you know, not from LA, not from New York. I really didn't even know what I was doing other than I would show up and talk at (laughs) at, at meetings. And uh, so I, 
I was the first female and youngest person ever. I was 35 years old. My marriage was really going south. My children were young and I had a very, very busy hair salon. This is before the the gift card. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I had a hair salon and I also had a company where I was importing products and distributing them, importing products from a company, a manufacturing company in Italy, skincare and hair care products. And um, so I'm elected to this position and my first official duty, I had to fly up to New York and meet with a, a, a group from Japan and a translator to because we were having a show there like the following March. Mm-hmm. So it's the beginning of November. While I'm in New York, an ice storm hits Pittsburgh. And unbeknownst to me, my house caught on fire. Oh, no. Yes. So second fire now in my wow. life. Uh, this time we were very well insured, but my youngest son was a little boy. Uh, my mother was at the house watching him. My older son was was in um, second grade. And um, it was just, we lost, the, the shell of the house stayed, mm. but we lost all of our possessions except for the clothes we had on our back. So, oh. you know, I fly home from from New York and I'm, I'm calling my house all day. I'm not reaching anybody. I called my mother-in-law and she said, you need to come here. Don't go home. The house caught on fire. Your mother oh, was wow. taken to the hospital. Everything's okay. They know, didn't so have cell phones to reach you, I guess. We had just, my, my ex-husband um, actually worked for a cell phone company, one of the first in the country. So I had a cell phone, but we, the power, the, because it was oh, this yeah. ice storm, we didn't have coverage. So I had been calling and it there was mm-hmm. no power. Anyhow, um, so so to jump ahead in this story, it's <laughs> we have to move into temporary housing. Mm-hmm. Section eight housing is all that would give us a month to month lease because we wow. didn't know how long our friends were like bringing bags of clothes over yeah. and um, for my kids. And um, so later the same week, like, well, maybe I'm going to say within a week, I can't remember now because it's a long time ago, but about a week after the fire, I learned that the woman that I had left in charge to run my business while Mm -hmm. I was doing all of this international travel for the next upcoming year um, was uh, wreaking havoc in my bank account. And I had to let her go. So here I am, the yeah. person who's going to be running my company, my business. I had 13 employees at that time. Mm-hmm. She's gone. I've got no one to run my business. The couple of months that I'd spent amassing a stage wardrobe for the next wow. year of travel is gone. Um, and I've got the black knit dress that I had on the yeah. airplane and, and the underwear in my suitcase. And that was it. And uh, Oh my gosh, I'm stressed just thinking about this. <laughs> It was, it was crazy. So, you know, a short time later, I got a call from the regional director of the organization. And he said, look, we understand that you've had a personal crisis and a professional crisis. Yeah. We want you to know that we will, uh, Joseph Kuchafello from, from Philadelphia, who was the, I got the most, it was, it was an election thing, an Mm -hmm. international election. I got the most votes. Joseph came in uh, behind me and they said, we will put Joseph in the position of um, international president for this mm-hmm. year. And all I could think in that moment on the phone was for the rest of my life, it will be, she wasn't strong enough to do this and mm. see, this is what happens when you elect a female to preside yeah. over an international organization. And I couldn't do that for the future of women in the beauty industry because yeah. it's, it's mostly women, but the, the industry is really controlled by men. So this was really, I was waving a flag. So of course me <laughs> said, Oh, no, no, I got this. And, oh, you know, we'll, we'll grow the organization during my term. 
So what did I do? I slept five hours a night and I worked 19 hours a day. Oh my gosh. And I ended up in the emergency room. That wasn't even enough thinking I was having a heart attack. Mm. We're living in a rental house with rental dishes and borrowed clothes. And I'm trying, you know, I had to be in New York, like uh, within a week after the wow. fire happened. And it was very, very stressful. Fortunately, my mom was okay. Um, but one day I was shooing, it was like my one day at home, but I was working on organization stuff, the, the beauty thing. Mm-hmm. My little boy, Julian was, he, he was about four at the time he climbed up onto my lap and he just, I had been shooing him away all morning. Mm-hmm. Honey, I have to get this done. Mommy's working. Mommy's working. You know, it's like we're living in a two by four apartment. Yeah. <laughs> he climbed up on my lap and he put his hands on my face and he said, mommy, you're just not fun anymore. Oh. And in that moment, I realized I have got to change my life. So I started deconstructing everything. I started looking at where is my life out of balance? And I broke it down to five key areas of life balance. Physical first, because if we're we're not good, Mm -hmm. nobody's good. Relationships, because relationships are, that's how we live. Um, Spirituality. Uh, career and career growth education, and then financial. And those five key areas, I needed to figure it out. And I needed to organize my house and start coming up with hacks before we knew what that word hack meant. Yeah. So I started doing this. And then a lot of people were saying to me, how do you do it? There's not enough time. And Mm -hmm. I found myself saying every time I traveled, yes, there is enough time. I'm just super organized. And I have weeded out all the clutter the clutter Mm -hmm. in my house, the clutter in my head, the drama, I have weeded it all out. And I am super focused on what needs to be done. And I have delegated everything else out to people who are better at those things than Mm. I am. I love it. Tell me how. (laughs) I decided to create a workshop. And so here I am, you know, I'm, you know, we ended up several months later, we got back in our house, life got back on track. My husband and I did, did divorce Uh friend in a friendly way. And so what I was doing was traveling around the country, opening product accounts for Mm -hmm. my product line. And as added value, I started thinking, well, nobody else is doing this in my industry. Let me add like a workshop in for people in the beauty industry for time, a time management workshop. The time management workshop started getting way more attention than the products did. So I taught that time management program at a national level for several years. Wow. And then I sort of put it on the back burner because then, you know, the product company went away mm-hmm. and things changed, life changed, new businesses, closing businesses, selling businesses, just life. And um, a few years ago, after I wrote my first book, the biggest thing that I got responses on, I would get emails from people because my email address is in that book, mm-hmm. was about how helpful the time management section was. Mm. So I started thinking it's time to revisit this. So I rewrote an online course called The Time Class. Okay, taking notes. Thetimeclass.com. It's a three-part program, but it comes with six weeks of six sessions every other week of live coaching, where I live coach groups of people through the course. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the value is. I mean, any, you know, the course is there, but it's the live coaching that Mm -hmm. really makes the difference. And um, I'm, I have a group going right now. And it's, it's awesome. We're, they're having fabulous results. And it's just looking, it's deconstructing life and looking at it 
in a completely different way that allows us to move forward with what's really important in life Mm -hmm. and stop wasting time with what's not important in life. You are literally changing lives. I mean, I guess you know that, but um, I mean, you really are. You go from this place of not being able to see in front of you to taking a bird's eye view and just kind of seeing all the pieces and putting them together. I think just because I had, I was forced to have to learn hope as we all are, you know, I mean, that's the only way we get through something we don't know is I found for me, the best way to learn was to step back and deconstruct what I saw happening. Mm -hmm. And then whether it was in my life or somebody else who was having success in something in my life, okay, I really feel good when I'm around that person. Mm -hmm. Let me start to sort of step back and observe what is it that I like? What is it that I want to do in my life that they're doing? And that taking that sort of lifelong learning approach, Mm -hmm. I think has, has been helpful. So if there's anything I could say to anybody, but especially the young listeners, you know, the attitude of doing something that doesn't work and going, oh, it's a failure Mm -hmm. is very self-defeating. Yeah. Instead, it's, if, if you could reframe what doesn't work as this is feedback that that doesn't work, let's pivot and do something else. It's feedback. It's not mm-hmm. failure. All it is is feedback. And if you have to do, I mean, look, Thomas Edison got feedback a thousand times mm-hmm. before he actually was able to find electricity. Yeah. I'm thinking the about my, yeah. my mm-hmm. most recent um, beating myself up about parenting was um, my kids are spoiled and I've made them that way because I pick up after them and I, you know, my daughter doesn't separate the laundry and I get tired of seeing it there. I just do it myself. But I think what you're saying is I'm not mm-hmm. a failure. I just need to reevaluate mm-hmm. and streamline it. Streamline it. I mean, look, same thing. We had to make laundry a game in my house. You know, when you have young kids, laundry is always, always an issue. So, you know, I think the main thing, whenever we make a decision to change what we're doing, or as the leader, whether it's in our house or in our business, when we make a decision that something needs to change, communication is the key mm-hmm. to that happening. Otherwise, it's an idea in we in our head that we end up just beating our head against the wall and getting mad at other people because they don't understand it. Mm. So if people understand, here's the new rule and here's the ideal outcome of the rule. Mm -hmm. The ideal outcome of the rule is, you know, mom can't be so stressed anymore. So the ideal outcome is you want clean laundry in your room. Let's as a family come up with what's a new laundry rule that we have in our house. And it's, it's the process we're going to live by. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a point when my kids were just complaining so much that their laundry wasn't done. My first answer was, I went out and bought more socks and underwear, <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, okay, let me show you how the washing machine works. Yeah. And you're not allowed to come to me and complain about laundry unless you have washed your socks and underwear. Cause you know, they can't ruin socks and underwear. Yes. If you've washed your own load of socks and underwear, you can then come to me and ask me to help you with this other laundry. Uh-huh. So meanwhile, both of their girlfriends and they're in long-term relationships are like, we love it that they do laundry. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Look, we always are going to have clothes to wear. Uh-huh. We're always, we're laundry is always going to be in our life. I love it. Okay. I'm going to take that. Yeah. Down. The earlier that you, you make it there, 
if it's their decision about how they're going to help you manage the ideal outcome you vision, you uh -huh. create the vision for, they're going to be way more inclined to do it. Yeah. They'll have buy-in. I like that. Mm -hmm. That's I exactly it. it. Yeah. Okay. So let's see, you had two, you have two boys and you were trying to single parent any other tips for women out there who are, mm -hmm. they would love to pursue this other thing, but they're just head is down and they're in the rut of parenting and they don't, they can't look up and see any other options. It's, you know, my kids were always involved in my business, always. Um, especially when, when I opened a, a much bigger spa that had multiple locations, I made an agreement with myself that I would only open a location where it would be a fun place for my kids to do things. Yeah. So we opened one in a ski resort. We opened one like in a, my kids were into rock climbing and like a rock climbing oh, mountain wow. biking place. Yeah. I found those locations because I wanted my kids to be around me. And, you know, when they were really little, um, so for anybody who's grinding it out with the business, there's got to be a way your kids can be involved. You know, when I had to send mail out, my kids got to moisten and stamp the envelopes. <laughs> like it. Um, you know, we what happens in a spa all day long is laundry. So oh, every yeah. Saturday morning, my kids came in and... I mean, they were like six and 10 years old. And yeah. if they had friends who stayed overnight, their friends came to the spa with us and they hung out in the laundry room and they folded towels and they folded sheets. Okay. That was their job on Saturday mornings before yeah. they had to go to soccer practice. They came in and, and it was like, it was a game and I'd give them a couple dollars and they could go to the candy store and that was it. Here's the beauty as an entrepreneur, they were actually working in my business. So I put them on my payroll Oh, wow. And that payroll funded their IRA accounts from the time they were very, very young. So they never saw wow. the paycheck, but every month, whatever, there was an automatic debit made out of their checking account mm -hmm. where their payroll was automatically deposited to. And they, they knew this money was there. They never yeah. saw it. But then when they're, I mean, they were little, but when their mm -hmm. financial statements came in, I would show them, see, you know, this is what you worked for. And you see this little arrow going up. That means you have more money in the bank. Wow. So, you know, they're both really very, very fiscally responsible right now. And I think it is because they learn to earn what they got. Yeah. You know, we just had that. this conversation when we, we were, you know, we had this epic week away from mm -hmm. my 60th birthday and we were talking about this because the next meeting I have with my group in the time management course is on the financial piece of things. And the question is, what's your money story? Mm. What's your money story? And we all have a money story. And it's yes. a decision we made when we were a little kid about what we learned from our family of origin and how mm -hmm. money comes to us and how money goes away from us. And, and it was great. Like my son said, we, we learned that we have to work hard for nice things that we want. Mm -hmm. And they're both doing great. They're both really financially very sound right now. And I'm proud of it. And, um, you know, it, we all have a money story. Yes, we do. You know, my money story was what I learned as a child from what I saw is mm, my mom worked really hard. And my dad sort of, he also worked really hard. I mean, he was a professional, but like my mom would like save for something. And my dad would go, Oh no, no, we, we need a new car. And my mom would go, no, we don't. My dad would go, Oh, yes, we do. And boom, we'd have a new car. And so I sort of learned while well, women work really hard and we give it all away, mm -hmm. really because we want love. Yeah. Because we want love. 
Yes. That was your story. That was my story. Did you just realize that or you realize that a lot younger? I probably realized that mm, 10, maybe 12 years, maybe 15 years ago, mm-hmm. I was an adult running that same game yeah. for a long time. And you've also talked about the importance of having this group accountability. This, mm-hmm. I think you said you've had a mentor and a coach and mm-hmm. a, I mean, so you, even though you've had all these successful businesses and two books, you keep growing and stretching yourself. And can you talk more about that? Absolutely. And I'm so excited. I mean, I'm leaving on Friday to go uh, spend a long weekend with a group with my mentor, um, oh. Joel Bauer. So yeah, I've, from the time I was 27, I mean, I would look around, I had a lot of clients that had very successful businesses and, and I had a really close group. They were good friends. Like just like a sort of, when you're a hairdresser, mm-hmm. you have like a click of clients, you know, all your friends come in and I really loved this group and I loved how successful they were. And, um, and I would always ask them business questions when they'd sit in my chair and it was great. And one thing I learned they had in common was this guy who was their business coach. Hmm. And Lachlan Arts. And I'm like, okay, I want to hire Lachlan. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I got Lachlan and, and he told me his fee at that time, this was like in the, in the mid eighties was his fee was $500 a month. Now that was more, more than my mortgage wow. payment. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I made a commitment that I would work with him for uh, several months. And I started realizing all he did was get me out of my way. He wasn't telling me any answers. Yeah. He was drawing the answers out of me. Oh. And I really loved that. Um, so from that point, then I started thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in therapy. I think mm-hmm. therapy is great with the right therapist, the one who challenges you mm-hmm. to see why you repeat patterns, why, you know, so you know, therapy for, for many, many years, um, always had a business coach or was in a coaching program. Um, and then when I decided to write the book, I mean, I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't mm-hmm. know how to do that. So, um, this guy, Joel Bauer was recommended to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I started writing the book and that's who, you know, the mentor I'm going to see. And it was really interesting after I started writing the book, a lot of stuff comes up. Mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, a lot of personal stuff that, yeah. and this, I think this is, this is common. Actually, uh, last week I was on a webinar where Stephen Pressfield, who wrote the legend yes. of Bagger Vance and the war of art, he, uh-huh. there was a small group of us on there. He wished me happy birthday. It was so oh! exciting, but you know, he was talking about that, how sometimes you just need to write the damn book, yes. you know, because you get so caught up and so in your head. And I was really struggling with a lot of stuff and then you're putting a book out there like you don't uh-huh. you know so um through uh, in one of Joel Bauer's workshops um I met this wonderful couple and he was a transformation coach he is Jeff Faldolin okay. and so afterwards lives in California you know we were living in Maryland at the time Jeff uh contacted me and said, you represent my ideal client, a female entrepreneur who's been successful, who's, you know, out there doing it. Like I would love, I would love to work with you, um, in exchange for a testimonial. And so we would meet Mm -hmm. for three sessions and it will be very intense. And I'm like, I love intense, bring it on. I want to know what I don't know, you know? Right. Well, I didn't realize that, uh, 
<laughs> meeting number two was, was hypnosis, hypnotherapy. Oh, wow. And, and I had had hypnotherapy before and I'd been studying it for years and I'd been sort of trying it before, but I, I really, you know, I had studied with somebody like 12 years before to learn about hypnotherapy, uh -huh. but I really hadn't had it used on me in a therapeutic way. And, and I had said to him, you know, I still had this, even though I had done all this work for all these years, yeah, there was still this little self-limiting thing about uh -huh. my relationship with my father who yeah. had died when I was 21 years old. And I, I said to him, if there's anything in my life that I wish wasn't there, it's that, that negativity. Mm -hmm. Like, and I thought I had worked through this, you know, I sort of reframed that it wasn't that I wasn't good enough for my dad. It was just his, his standards were higher for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'd, I'd done a lot of self-talk on that, but it was still there. And he said, all right, we're, we're going to go deep. And we did this session, you know, uh, therapeutic hypnotherapy, you're keenly aware of every single word that you're saying, you know, you're not like scratching your head mm -hmm. like a monkey or something. You're just, <laughs> it's really a very deeply relaxing state that allows you to go back and remember the things that happened that we made a decision about. And then we live our life mm -hmm. as if that's true. And our conscious mind is designed to avoid pain and seek pleasure. So we don't want to do that. So anyhow, after that session, I actually went back and rewrote the book. The book was wow. already in edit and I, it wasn't exactly the book I wanted to produce. Yeah. It needed to be a little bit more, it needed to be a lot more authentic mm -hmm. and real. And uh, so I, I rewrote the book and I think the editor was having conniption fits and I'm like, look, charge me for it. I've, yeah. I've actually having you write, you know, edit two, two books here. So, um, and that was when, everything started changing in my world. I started seeing I could really help people one-on-one -on -one scale their business to the million dollar mark. Mm -hmm. You know, less than 2% of women in this country reach a million dollars in business, in their business. Wow. Less than 2%. Yeah. That's a crazy small number for how educated women are these days. Yeah. Um, and why don't they? I mean, why don't they? Yeah, that is so cool. So you're, mm -hmm. so this is kind of, you do this now. I mean, you help women reach mm -hmm. the, their peak potential in business. So my company is called Streamline Success Consulting. Mm -hmm. And I have a website that's in the process of being rebuilt because it, it needs to be <laughs> rebuilt. Yeah. On, you know, I sold my primary company. My husband and I still have ownership in another um, business, a restaurant back in Maryland that we have partners in. And it's, it's fun. I, I love that. I love our staff that you know, put aside whatever their situation is and come and serve food with a smile on their face. Yeah. And a uh, lot of overlap between the food service and the beauty service industry in terms mm -hmm. of staffing. So, you know, that's really wonderful. But yeah, so I, I have private clients that I work with and I have a waiting list for clients. Um, I have a very high hourly rate and I get it because my clients are growing their businesses. Mm -hmm. you know, and they'll show up so clients. much more too. Oh my gosh. And you know, when they don't want to show up, it's because I'm close to hitting a personal ner nerve. Mm. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, when you're, yeah, I, I think when I, I would like to speak to what it's like to work with a coach, you know, mm -hmm. so there are business only coaches and then there are mindset and transformation coaches. And I think if you can, for anybody who was looking for, for a coach, if you can find the coach who 
sort of bridges that gap between the two, because the more organized and drama-free and chaos-free your personal life is, the way more easy and profitable your company is. The more mm-hmm. you know how to deal with personal conflict, the longer you keep staff. I mean, I when I sold my company, I still had the first employee I hired over two decades ago. And wow. most of my employees had been there for almost two decades in a super high turnover industry. Yes, that it, says a lot. It was all communication, all communication mm-hmm. and paying attention to body language. I'm really big on that. You know, mm-hmm. when you're managing people, paying attention to it and really embracing, I think, for ourselves, what conflict means to us. Once we have a good foothold on what conflict means to us, usually decisions we made around our family of origin and growing up and things that push our buttons. Yes. Once we understand that our button is only being pushed because it's our unresolved issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, how much did we see that in this last election cycle? Mm -hmm. People hated other people. Yes. I say what they really hated was the part of themselves they refused to allow themselves to see in the mirror. That is so true. Because if it wasn't, if it wasn't your unresolved issue, you wouldn't even recognize it in somebody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is really interesting. People would say, where do you stand? I'm like, I'm totally neutral. I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, good things, bad things, good things, bad things, you know, yeah. um, and you their can personalities use- don't grate on me. You can use this psychology yeah. in any business or in your house or any relationship you have. I mean, it's there's conflict everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, I don't know how old your children are, but when they hit their teenage years, yeah, you know, get ready. <laughs> yes, get ready. I mean, you know, every gray hair under this brown color is, uh, <clears throat> from those teenage years. And <clears throat> it really... excuse me, it really comes down to communication and accepting who the other human being is. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's really, I think that's the key. That's the key that I've learned so far. No, I think that you've just shared so many valuable tips. I'm going to go back and take notes and, (laughs) and share them. Tell us what your website is so people can find you. And I assume they can get the books. So the website is streamlinesuccess.com. If anybody wants to reach me with a question, it's Dorothy, D-O-R-O-T-H-Y at streamlinesuccess.com. The two books are Streamline Success and Conflict Revelation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm easy to reach. I'm approachable. My course, my online course is called the time class. And um, that's pretty exciting. I think that's right now where I'm having my most fun as I'm waiting for the live keynote speaking opportunities to start to happen again. Yeah. Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. I'm going to go check it out. And y'all can also get our books on Amazon and um, they're not super long and you can read them and implement them in your own house or your own business. Well, so, thank you. I hope so, I mean that you I mentioned mean, your morning chaos. Yeah. Yes. So it's is how do I how do I figure out what my thing is when I'm busy working and raising a family? Like, you know, if you're just kind of in that tunnel vision, I go to work, I'm saving money in my 401k. And how do I even think about doing other stuff? Um, and then how do I balance it if I do figure out that, oh, writing is my thing, or you know, I want to start a little small side mm-hmm. business. And so you've covered a lot of that. Um, and then the limiting beliefs. I mean, we all I, have thoughts that we just can't do it and, and um, 
beliefs from our childhood. Really, it is beliefs. And that's just, it's all that a belief from our childhood is, is something happened and we made a decision to live our life a certain way based on what we heard or what we saw. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. We gave that, all that was, was a story. And we gave that story meaning. And we live our life as if it's true. And if you went back to the people involved in that story, they mostly wouldn't even remember that it ever happened. That's you know, so and true. we have to go deep. We have to go deep to find to find what that pivotal point was that was the story. But you know, in terms of how how do you find what's your thing? I look at it this way. You know, there are really um, things that we do. There are things that we're really incompetent at. There are things we're competent at. There are things we're really good at. And then there are things that we're, they, they are our area, our unique area of expertise, mm -hmm. you know, our unique abilities that we have that nobody else can do it like we can do it. And when mm -hmm. we are doing those tasks that are our, our special abilities are, you know, the things, this is how I define them. We're the only person who does it like we do it. Mm -hmm. Nobody else around us. This is especially true for entrepreneurs. You do what you do best and nobody else in your company or your business can do it quite like you do it. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to that. It's effortless when you're doing it. You never feel like you're working when you're doing this particular thing and you figured out how to monetize that thing. It's mm. like, I have friends who started a, an outdoor sports company years ago. What they loved during college, they were skiers, they were golfers, they were bikers, they were water skiers, total outdoor guys. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what they wanted to be when they grew up. They started a, a sports business mm. uh, it's, it, and they sell bikes and skis and kayaks. So cool. <laughs> yeah. And they feel like they play every day. It's mm -hmm. a brilliant business. They're, you know, really profitable. But what I love about that example is those guys paid attention to doing what they loved mm -hmm. and being able to help other people do the same thing, but do it better by having superior products. Yeah. The best skis, the best bikes the best yeah. education on, on that. So, you know, looking at how can you spend more of your time operating in that unique ab ability area and start delegating and letting go of the things that we're incompetent at. And, you know, some of those things that we're incompetent at, uh, it's usually attached to a story, mm -hmm. but some of them, we just need to learn how to do it. And if we're really scared about learning how to do it, that's usually our key. Oh, mm -hmm. you know what, if I can figure this out, I can own it on the other side. Yeah. Making PowerPoints, case in point for me. I had people who made PowerPoints for me. When I had to make <laughs> my first PowerPoint, I called my son. This is a couple of years ago. I'm like, Julian, I no longer have the employee who's going to make my PowerPoints for me. How do I make a PowerPoint? And he goes, you're kidding me, mom. Yeah. He's like, I learned that in second grade. <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> You know, in 1979, <laughs> when I graduated from high school, we didn't know what a PowerPoint was. Yeah. And uh, he goes, look on the internet. And yeah. yeah. So I bought a course on how to make a PowerPoint. And, yeah. And now I make slides all the time. And yeah. I was terrified of it. I mean, all those little symbols and squiggles and 
press this box and 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 then I found the undo button and life got better and, you know <laughs> I love it you know so some of the things that we're incompetent at we just need to learn them um and once we learn them it goes away and then we have the choice to say I want to keep doing this or I want to farm this one out right yeah hire yeah. it out or del or barter it with somebody like you did exactly but I think paying attention to the things that energize you mm -hmm. and you love doing so much, you would do it even if you weren't getting paid. Yeah. That's usually where the biggest paycheck comes from. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's yeah. such good advice. Oh, I yeah. Thank you. I mean, hope you have just, you presented great questions to me. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. And thanks for taking time out of your day to meet with us. Oh my gosh, so honored, just honored to be here. So my one parting word to every person who's out there, my one parting phrase, pay attention to the story and the meeting that you create around events, but most of all, love yourself more. Love yourself more. Love go that. easy on yourself. Just go easy on yourself. Yes. And Dorothy yeah. didn't get where she is overnight. So you may be thinking she's so successful and you'll never be like that. But Dorothy, you didn't, it didn't just happen overnight. You know, October 1st of last year, October 1st of 2020 was my 40th anniversary oh, from wow. my first day at 19 years old in business. So, you know, four decades later, um, I, I feel very, I feel very fortunate. I've had great teams of people around me and I feel very blessed, very blessed. Yeah. Well, so, thanks again for sharing your story. Uh, thank you. Hope. All right. Here's the take home points from Dorothy. Number one, when someone doesn't have faith in you or says they think you'll fail like Dorothy's dad, use their lack of confidence as fuel to prove them wrong. Dorothy kept telling herself, I'm not going to sink. I'm going to swim. And she did. The alternative is to choose to give meaning to others' negative words. Number two, use other people's knowledge as an opportunity to learn whatever it is you need to learn. Dorothy's client, who was an accountant, offered to teach her the ropes of owning a business. And if you don't have money, offer to barter this service. Number three, be okay with asking people for help. They want to see you succeed because they're vested in you and they'll share their information and knowledge with you. Number four, commit to learning what you don't know. Dorothy had to learn about marketing. She also wanted to have an educated vocabulary, so she set a goal for herself to read one book a week. She also taught herself about business growth and leadership. Number five, put yourself in, a, in an environment where you'll grow. Dorothy joined a strategic coaching group. She also found a mentor and coach. She realized she had to step out of her business to really grow the business. Number six, figure out where the bottleneck is in your business or your home life. Where do things slow down or get stuck? For Dorothy, it was the gift card season at Christmas. Find the pain point and focus on problem solving it. Where the problems are is where growth will occur. Number seven, Dorothy deconstructed every detail of her life in five key areas, physical, relationships, spirituality, career, and financial. She realized she had to come up with life hacks for all of these and weed out all the clutter in each area. Number eight, delegate everything out that can be delegated out that you don't want to do. This led to a wildly successful time management workshop. The timeclass.com is available online. 
Basically, you deconstruct your life and you look at it in a completely different way and prioritize the things that are the most important. Number nine, when something in your life or business isn't working well, look at this as a chance to pivot instead of giving up. Number 10, when we make a decision to change something, communication is key so it's not just an idea in our heads. People get mad if they don't understand it. Discuss the ideal outcome, brainstorm solutions, and implement a new rule everyone can get on board with. Number 11, let your kids be involved in your endeavors. Dorothy would have her kids be in charge of laundry at the spa or licking envelopes, and she was actually able to put them on the payroll and deposited the money in their IRA. She would show them their financial statements, and this led to fiscal responsibility as adults. Number 12, what is your money story? It's a story that we came up with and believe based on money issues surrounding us as kids. This dictates how you interact with money as an adult. Number 13, coaches get you out of your own way. If you want to grow, hire a coach, find a mentor, join accountability groups. You'll grow so much more than you will alone. Number 14, understand that when our buttons are pushed, it's our own personal issues being brought to the surface. It's about us, not the people pushing the buttons. And lastly, part of the recipe for success is identifying and confronting our limiting beliefs. Things from our childhood we made a decision to give meaning to, and then we live our lives like that thing is true. So identify those, y'all. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you like this podcast and think someone else could benefit, please share it. I'd also love for you to write a review on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple. And lastly, if you would like more of the same, come over to my website, hopethepa.com. Thank y'all for listening.